Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Gary Moon. Gary works and plays at the intersection of capitalism, consciousness, and social impact. As managing partner, Gary led the formation of Influence Partners, a technology boutique investment bank, founded originally in 2011 as the Technology, Media, and Telecom Group at Headwaters MB. At Influence, Gary focuses on working with mission-aligned businesses, those companies and their leaders that believe for-profit business can be a force for good. In 2018, Gary launched the Mission Aligned Growth Summit in partnership with Conscious Capitalism, Inc., an annual event focused on curating a mastermind learning community interested in topics at the intersection of purpose-driven businesses and transactional corporate finance. Before we begin, this podcast conversation is between adults and contains a little adult language, so if you have little ones near you, you might want to use your headphones. Welcome to the podcast, Gary. I'm delighted to have you here. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited to, excited to talk to you today. So I'm really interested in, I mean, in your role as, a, as an investment banker and, and working in the tech realm, especially, what is it that you feel makes a great company in your view? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Um, we do work a lot in what I would, you know, kind of usually refer to as the venture ecosystem. Mm -hmm. uh, we also work with uh, entrepreneur-owned businesses. Uh, some of the nature of businesses uh, require early capital. Some don't, so you can, mm -hmm. you know, more easily grow a software company, um, etc. Um, so it's what we're usually looking for is some combination of, you know, kind of the, the product market fit as people describe, and then an ability to execute against that product right. market fit with mm -hmm. some scale. Right. Um, and then beyond that, it's really differentiation because if there are, you know, 50 similar companies, uh, that can be difficult both from a capital allocation perspective as well as um, ultimate uh, liquidity uh, down the line. Right. Well, that differentiation aspect is one that I'm, uh, I, I wonder if, I know you have uh, put a lot of energy into focusing on mission-focused companies, and does, does that help the differentiation of a company in your view? I think it's situationally dependent. Um, you know, focusing on mission aligned has a couple of different uh, elements to it. One is uh, just some self-interest and, you know, we work incredibly hard for our clients. Uh, and I'd rather work with people who are interesting and fun and have a, aligned values with, with who, who we are at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So just from a pure, you spend a lot of time with folks, 
uh, these are the kinds of people that I want to spend time with. You know, another element of it is if you look at the long-term trend and part of why we're focused in hopefully being one of the oars in the water to continue to move the markets in this direction is it is a long-term cyclical trend uh, that we think is going to be very impactful over time. And we want to have a voice uh, in helping that market uh, come along. It, and when you get to specific companies, you know, especially consider some consumer products or, you know, what we broadly call sustainable supply chain businesses, um, that as a differentiation in the market uh, is something that does, that does have an effect. It is working. Um, you have to, it has to ring with authenticity, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that's where we probably see the biggest, uh, biggest effect of, of mission aligned. Hmm. Okay. So do you see it, do you see the mission alignment as influencing the rate of growth or is that dependent on so many other factors? It's hard to tease it out. It's a little hard to tease it out because we mission aligned for us is kind of the big tent idea. And that will include companies that have um, what's called ESG or environmental, social or governance aspects that kind of set mm -hmm. it apart from the broader economy all the way through impact, which is more kind of business model focused, direct impact on some, you know, global problem, if you will. Um, so it, it just really depends on the type of company, you know, companies who may be more on the ESG side, how it affects their business is we believe it's better to recruit, better to retain. If you're treating right. your employees better, they're mm -hmm. more likely to stick around. You're more likely to get better employees. If you treat your suppliers better and fairly and equitably, then you're likely to be able to attract the best suppliers who will impact your business. And that kind of um, effect, which may not, you know, be directly the economic impact of, of an issue. Right. So it's not measurable in the conventional terms, at Correct. least in the short term, but it obviously has an impact on the longer term health of the company. Yes, correct. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by, in, in an interview, you said that uh, companies in the purpose economy have unique requirements from capital formation to acquisition and liquidity. So what are those unique requirements and, and how, how do you contribute to that ecosystem with, with influence companies? Yeah, um, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, you know, so I would start with the capital side of the equation. And, uh, you know, the best way to think about it is investor alignment. If you're running a business uh, and you have you know, your DNA and your reason for founding the business is very mission oriented. Um, and you go out and raise money from people who, you know, don't really care about what the mission of the business is or purely maybe they care when it's going well, but when there's some financial stress on the business, they're going to be arguing for that to be the first thing to go. Right. 
mm-hmm. um, that creates some crosswinds in in your business at some point because um, most you know despite all the headlines most businesses don't go straight and up and up and to the right there's <laughs> wobbles along the way uh, and some pivots and some business model changes and 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 things like that and so it's on the capital side it's really how much of a an aligned capital base can you bring in to finance the business okay now would you say that also has a reality component to it is the capital markets just aren't as sophisticated enough that it's realistic for any given business today to have 100% mission aligned investors there are certainly circumstances but it tends to be the exception uh, than the rule. It's an emerging area. Again, that's an area we hope to have an impact in developing. Uh, but it's, you know, it's some ways off yet. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's a good point that there's uh, not everybody's thinking about investments that way. And, and people aren't necessarily used to being able to make selections on that basis. Yeah, that's right. I had a nice comment from somebody who attended our, our Mission Align Growth Summit uh, the other day who basically said, you know, it really made her change the way that she was thinking about financing her business, both in the, in the short term and in the long term. And, you know, that that's kind of our goal is what's possible, what's realistic. Um, and how do you go about, you know, finding, uh, finding these people out there, uh, and bringing them into, uh, into your company. Yeah. Well, uh, to go to the other side of that statement that you said in the interview about um, there are unique requirements for a mission-based company in terms of acquisition and liquidity. What are, can you comment a little bit on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, when you're running an organization and you've got a, you know, hopefully mostly aligned capital base, you get to make the decisions about mission and execution of the core fundamentals of the business. And when you sell the company, you don't. <laughs> so um, the, the questions that you have to ask yourself, and, and this is really where the rubber hits the road on, you know, do entrepreneurs and owners really walk their talk on mm-hmm. mission align? Um, because there are often situations where you can potentially sell out at a number, but you've paid no attention to the broader either stakeholder elements of your business or, or the mission. If it's outside of the stakeholder realm, um, cash out, move on. And then whatever happens to the business happens to the business. Right. On the flip side, there are only so many things that you can control in an M&A process. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is where some of the investor complexity comes in. Is it your investors who need liquidity? Uh, is it decided that the broad stakeholder, you know, especially employees, owners, management founders want an exit and people are aligned around the liquidity? That's a little better of a situation because then you can have conversations around, well, what are those trade-offs? These are the things that are important to us as an independent business. Are we going to insist that they be important post-acquisition? And are we in a position to be able to insist? Mm -hmm. Because there, you know, again, there are a lot of great headline deals out there. And then there's the other, you know, 96% of the market where people just don't have the leverage of the name brand number one 
you know, fastest growing, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I think, you know, we sold a company last year called Meetup, um, which, which we ended up selling to WeWork, which mm-hmm. I think is a, is a good case. We were originally brought in to raise them money. Uh, as we were about to sign a term sheet for a significant growth equity financing, uh, WeWork came in and expressed some interest. And so it really, you know, forced the founding team there who was very mission aligned, ran the business against their goal of, you know, using online to get people offline in conversations that matter and having as much impact in the world as you can through membership. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really forced them to sit down and say, what are the elements of this that are important to us that we must insist survive the acquisition? And so, you know, there were some kind of rules of the road developed that uh, it was important that our, our founding team get buy off from the acquirer. Uh, we work committed a certain amount of growth capital to continue to grow the business and mm-hmm. keep it as an independent entity. Now, you know, obviously they were also acquiring for a reason. Right. Uh, and so, so, yeah. And so that, yeah. you know, the, there's still a very strong focus on realizing the synergies in membership and activity in space and, and some of the other drivers of the deal. Um, but going into it, we had to be clear on, hey, these are the things that are important. And if we don't get them, then we're not, at the end of the day, going to sell the business. And, mm-hmm. and again, that's kind of where the rubber hits the road on. Do you have those? Are you willing to stand up for those? Uh, and what is the form of those that you can get agreement? Yeah, you know, Recognizing a- that afterwards, you know, it, it's a new owner, so you can do as, as best you can do. Um, but there are certainly things you can do. Well, it, it really speaks to the getting really clear about those aspects that you do want to have carried forward. And it's a challenging decision for uh, looking at selling the business because you, of course, there's always, there are always financial considerations. So um, it really brings to the forefront, how committed are you to this vision, yeah. to this mission and, <laughs> um, yeah, what are the what are the elements of that? And in a case like Meetup, where it's a, a high uh, name recognition, well known brand, uh, I would imagine you would have more flexibility in that regard because there would be multiple potential buyers. Yeah, that's right. And and not every case uh, do you have that leverage, right? Sure. And you know, I think if you this is one of the areas that. You know, we're, we're excited about over time and again, where, where we think we can be an oar in the water um, moving things along is over time there will be, you know, if you look at the just kind of core tech side of our business, um, there's uh, an abundance of private equity capital that buys certain kinds of businesses with certain financial profiles that provide liquidity into the ecosystem. Right. There are starting to be uh, private equity type firms that can ultimately provide liquidity that take a value centered approach or an impact approach or, mm-hmm. again, depending on who you're talking to and, and what the specific mission is. So 
the hope is over time there will be a broader set of choices um, on on when it comes time to to find liquidity that that the question of values alignment is a little easier. Um, but you know today it's it's uh, a little trickier um, without the leverage. And you know I mean, the reality is is a lot of companies end up transacting because. Um, you know, people want to move on with their time or sure. uh, they want to start the next project or they're facing a family generational switch and, you know, that's not going to work for the business. Or there are lots of perfectly legitimate reasons uh, to transact a business that, you know, you may not be in the strongest position to insist on those values coming across and so it's you know at the same time there is a realistic market uh out there that you have to kind of navigate um thinking through when when it comes time to sell yeah well it's been interesting to see the swing in in the investment realm as well for example last year larry fink at blackrock blackrock being i guess one of the largest or the largest the largest um, yeah Yep. investment bank in the world um, they've they've taken a very strong stance in that direction and, and I guess it'll remain to be seen how it plays out but there's certainly a lot more uh, mainstream credibility around that than there probably was even a year ago, or year or two ago has that been have you noticed that as well have you noticed a shift in that direction I have, and there's a lot of, you know, encouraging large dollar um, indications that are, you know, moving mission aligned or impact or ESG. So, you know, it, it's definitely coming. I think the, the devil's in the details on a lot of that. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, the, the challenging part is, you know, as a consumer, if you will, of financial products, you really do still have to do your homework because there are, you know, we've seen cases of ESG labeled investments that, you know, still have Chevron in them because they've got a um, workforce diversity program that qualifies them for um, an ESG tag, right? And so, you know, at the end of the day, you have to kind of do that next cut and what, you know, what feels right for an individual, but broadly the trends are going in the right directions. Um, you know, in the area that we play more, if you look at a Bain capital, which is a large, large asset aggregator, they've got a, a DBL impact fund. Look at, at TPG, which is a large, you know, private equity fund. Uh, they've got, um, uh, what's called the rise fund, which is uh, dedicated and focused on impact. So you start, to, you know, there's rumors of K KKR also another very large private equity fund is, mm -hmm. is raising a billion or $2 billion on this thesis. So you start to see those more direct, um, uh, impactful capital sources, uh, on the private company side, uh, moving as well. So, you know, kind of net nets going in the right direction, but it's maybe the bottom of the first inning or, or the top <laughs> of the second. It's still right. super early and nascent, right? Uh, considering the amount of capital that's out there globally. Sure. Well, um, 
just recently, you mentioned this earlier that you had the first Mission Aligned Growth Summit. And uh, what did you learn at that summit? Well, you, first of all, tell us a little bit about what that was and what your intention was. And then I'd love to hear what surprised you that you learned as being part of that. Yeah, so uh, we, we put it on for the first year. Uh, and the focus was really to bring you know, companies in the purpose economy or mission, mission aligned companies together with people in the capital markets ecosystem who care about these things. So they tend to be investors who are either interested or actively investing in, in mission aligned broadly or impact um, more directly. And there are, you know, kind of events out there uh, SOCAP being the most notable and is a tremendous event that's been put on, you know, for the last 10 years. Um, but the community that we operate in is private company, um, early and growth stages. Uh, and that, that's a very specific ecosystem. And I didn't really see anything targeted at, at companies at that stage. So, you know, think of a company going from 50 to 5,000 employees. Like that's the community that we work with and operate in on a daily basis. And so there was really a, you know, kind of a gap of where I could go to meet people in that community. So that's, we kind of put the stake in the ground and said, okay, let's go out and do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what did I learn? I learned that events are really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were talking about this before we got started. Yeah. I said the the crazy amount of work that goes into organizing an event, people have no idea. Yeah. Uh, yes. And as the consummate entrepreneur, you know, it's like, yeah, let's go do that. And it's like, <laughs> oh crap, this is really hard. Uh, yeah. We made that decision. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we we pulled it off. Um, uh, and we had about 100 people come through. And I think, you know, I, I must have done, I don't know, 100, 120 phone calls um, leading up to the event and talking to speakers and speaker candidates and investors and companies and um, kind of creating some awareness for the event. Um, and, you know, it is, I was encouraged at the number of stories I heard of people who were, you know, kind of similar backgrounds to me. And that is, um, you know, I've been in investment banking for 16 years and, you know, it's within the last three years that I've decided to put a stake in the ground and take what has been my own, you know, kind of consciousness oriented journey and combine it with what I do at work and focus in this area. Mm -hmm. where I can do both at the same time. And so the number of stories of people that I talked to that were experienced at this or experienced at that had enough of an awakening and just said, you know what, like, this is important. This is interesting. This is something I can, I am passionate about and can be passionate about for years. Um, so let's go off and do this where, you know, many of us could maybe be more economically efficient in other um, circumstances. The other thing that was really interesting and, and I'm probably the most proud of is kind of the day of the event, the level of engagement of people in the room was just off the charts. Um, 
the feedback uh, I got from one of the participants was like, I don't, I don't have any complaints other than it's so content rich. I needed like a break. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and so, so, you know how you go to conferences sometimes and there's a bunch of people sitting there and the laptops are open and people are doing email and the rest of that. Well, there was right. none of that. It was, yeah. it was people very focused, engaged, asking questions. Um, the feedback was off the charts. So um, it, you know, gave us a lot of, you know, at the end of the day, when you're putting on a first event, you know what you, you know why you're doing it, but you don't know what it will be. Sure. Yeah. On the day of. You, you it's a co-creation. It, it absolutely is. And it's a co-creation with the speakers and the co-host, in this case, Conscious Capitalism. Uh, in co-creation with the people who choose to attend. Um, uh, and it just gave us, you know, a lot of encouragement to make it an annual event. That was, that was the hope. And then with uh, Conscious Capitalism, the organization, um, we'll be putting on more content. They do a spring conference um, and a CEO summit. So we'll have some, you know, kind of mission line growth summit content. Uh, sessions at each of those uh, we're talking about a few other things as well so it was a really good catalyst and kickstart that into that community this is an important topic people are interested um, and for us at, at influence you know part of our goal is we sit at the heart of you know quote-unquote silicon valley venture ecosystem part of the goal is to just, you know, be a beacon of calling more and more people in that ecosystem into purpose driven business, mm -hmm. conscious capitalism, um, impact. Uh, so it just becomes a, you know, again, we become one of the folks who brings a greater awareness, uh, of this being, you know, not, not positive just from, a uh, hopes and dreams perspective, but you, you know, when you look at the success of companies on a day-to-day -day basis uh, as well. Well, it's encouraging too, from the standpoint of, of uh, partnering with conscious capitalism, which in some realms people have said, well, you know, it's a nice set of principles, but not always enacted in those companies that call themselves conscious capitalism companies. Whereas B Corps, you have to go through a multi- stakeholder vetting process. And um, so that's a great indicator that there are people connected with conscious capitalism in some way, or they wouldn't have heard about it, that are interested in implementing across the board and, and really committed to that. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I look at conscious capitalism and, and the B Corp movement is about 80 to 90% overlapping, right? Mm -hmm. There are yeah. Um, yeah, a lot great. of people who, show up at conscious capitalism who are B Corps or planning to be B Corps um, sure. and, and vice versa. Um, there's just, you know, certain businesses, um, you know, may or may not be the best fit for the way that they um, measure, but we're, you know, we're big fans of that movement. That's been an incredibly important driver um, from my perspective in the last five years. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's getting more and more press and interest, and which is all absolutely. Yeah. yeah, one thing that I've noticed in my work with my own clients, which is um, in terms of those strategic planning for 
impact-focused companies, as I call them, that embedding or infusing impact into the company or mission, uh, the mission driver, that it's, in my observation, it's essential in order to have the kind of impact that they want to have. So do, have you seen that, that companies that operate with that mission-driven focus, that they are doing business in a different way? And, and how? I think it, it really starts at the top. Um, and, you know, the founder or CEO really has to set the tone and be passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and authentically live the values that drive <laughs> that mission. Um, uh, I've done some work with an organization called Stegen, um, which has a, a program called the Integral Leaders Program. And one of their sayings, which uh, I like, is leaders get the organizations they deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it's just incredibly important that um, that also be passed along to the executive team. Uh, and there are a lot of different ways to do that. You know, are they doing business differently? You know, I think if there's one theme uh, for me, it's the, the internal culture uh, as the strength of the organization. Hopefully the strength. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> um, but, but most consistently, a, str- a very defined culture uh, as the starting point. Because at the end of the day, the employees are the ones out affecting uh, outcomes in the world, um, depending on the, on the specific business model. And, and if they're not, you know, bought in, trained, understand, live, excited about, um, the values and mission of the business, then, you know, you got a whole, you got a whole different set of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, culture of course influences everything that goes on in a company. And it's probably one of the toughest things to build or create in the the way that you might want. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you've been an entrepreneur for a long time straight out of school, in fact, and has this focus on that you have now on mission driven businesses. You said this is really in the past few years that you've really focused in that way, but did you see yourself moving in this direction before this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a longer journey than, than three years. Um, you know, I was an, I was an entrepreneur, as you say, straight out of school. So in my twenties, and that's an incredible learning journey. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, as we like to say, you're unemployable after that. I would have to agree. Uh, But, you know, I found my, I found my way to figuring it out for a few years anyway. Um, (laughs) You know, and my, my own journey is life serves you opportunities to learn. And thankfully I started listening at some point in my late twenties and thirties, early thirties. And so I really started my own consciousness journey um, and getting, you know, deeper into Buddhism and a daily practice and, and elements like that where, you know, personal growth was an incredibly important focus of my life. Mm-hmm. And then of course I go to work in day to day of investment banking and, 
you know, it attracts people who are very financially motivated. Right. Um, and many of them, that is the only thing they care about. And mm -hmm. so that's, you know, creates challenge for somebody who might have a broader set of values. There are certainly plenty of good people in the business, but there are plenty of people who aren't. Um, and so you have to find what choices you want to make in that continuum. My choice over time was to, you know, I'm a believer, investment banking is a network business. So I'm a believer that you put yourself out into the network and your people find you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a good, you know, if you're a good guy, then you're going to tend to work with the good guys in the business because they're going to, um, you know, your value system will resonate with them and the right. value add that you deliver will resonate. And so that's, that's basically describes the first 10, 12 years of, of my investment banking career. But somewhere along the way, the seed was planted of, you know, your best skill in the, I forget the exact saying, but, you know, your skill set and the world's greatest need is where you will find your mission. Mm -hmm. um, and so that just worked at me for a while. <laughs> and right. I didn't, didn't really exactly know how to manifest that, although I knew it would be true and I had some directional idea. So, you know, that sat, you know, a friend of mine calls it divine discontent. Which mm -hmm. I, I just love that saying. I'd like that too. That's um, a great And so it's, you know, there's nothing wrong, but there's something out of place. Um, and so, you know, ultimately uh, I ended up going, uh, spending some time on Necker Island as part of a group of social impact entrepreneurs called Mavericks. And, you know, spending a week with Richard Branson, who's just incredibly inspirational, um, mm -hmm. uh, how he lives his life, the impact he has on the world, the businesses he runs. Um, and it just kind of all came together. Uh, I had started doing projects on the mission aligned spectrum. Uh, but that, that was really when it all came together. That's like, you know what, this is a 20 to 30 year arc for me. Um, I just, I can't, I can no longer sit and figure out what I'm going to do. I just need to put it into action and go. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, that was really the start of deciding to spin. We were, uh, influence. Most of the team at Influence was uh, the tech, media, and telecom group at another larger middle market investment bank, uh, and I led that team. And that really start. That was the catalyst uh, for us to kind of spin the team out and and start uh, Influence. Richard Branson's career has evolved over decades and is heading even progressively even more and more into the social impact realm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, his own career has evolved in that way. So you, you can't, it's, it's not like you can compare yourself to somebody who's been kind of doing, heading this direction for, for so long versus, um, you know, 10 or 15 years in it. But, uh, it's great to have these inspirational models that you can look at and go, well, actually you can make it work on a financial level. Yeah. And it's super powerful. Um, well, the thing that, that part of what really clicked is I call it the fully integrated life. And that is, you know, if you can't tell if I'm working or hanging out with my friends or having impact or I'm with my family or having fun, then I'm doing it right. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and that's my yeah. best description of, of how Richard lives on a day-to-day basis. Um, and that is like, oh, yes, you can actually do that. All right. Now I just need to go figure out my own fully integrated life. Uh, and now's the time. Yeah. How are you, how is that? Is that challenging? Is it something that you're, you're obviously focused on, but is it something that you're finding quite difficult or is it easier than you thought it would be to move in that direction of a fully integrated life? Yeah, I, I, that, it's, a, it's a tricky question, right? Because there's the day-to-day, um, which isn't always perfect, and, and that's life. And there's the long arc, which you know, from my viewpoint, as long as I'm getting closer and closer to that goal, then uh, I'm doing that right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and realistically, so there are elements of it that um, have been positive. Uh, and there are elements where, you know, I over rotated <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> uh, and then you go, oops, okay, maybe I need to uh, take a little bit of a course correction and get back on track here. Uh, but, you know, for me, this is where the, the consciousness side comes in, is if you're realistic, um, if you're intentional, and if you're awake, you know, then you're just kind of real-time working on stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, as long as your intention and action are going in the right direction, then, you know, I'm a big believer that I'll, I'll get there in some modified version and there are some elements of it that are you know are happening you know very nicely yeah well there's wisdom in that uh perspective and it's it's a process for all of us yeah for sure i mean for me it's all about intentionality and you know one of my favorite terms in buddhism is bare awareness Mm -hmm. and that is looking at a situation exactly as it is and not, you know, you not look at looking at it through your filters, not looking at it through social conventions, not looking at it through an emotional reaction. What is actually there and seeing it for what it is. And that that is your power of making good quality decisions going forward. And listen, at the end of the day, all of us are doing the best we can. Yeah. And exactly you know, if you make a wrong decision and you figure it out five days later, make a different decision. Like it's okay. (laughs) It's really okay. Yeah. Well, that, that goal of bare awareness is so challenging because we're all in framework and context and, and it's sometimes difficult to see the filters that we're using to view something, but uh, that's a powerful thing when you can do it. Yeah, for sure. So, Gary, the way we uh, wrap up these interviews, I've been asking people these three rapid round questions. So if you're game, we can yep. begin. Yeah, let's do it. Great. So the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? The biggest thing I've learned is um, kind of having the longer term goal in mind and living, you know, consistently uh, and authentically with the values to that goal. Great. 
Um, second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Uh, tenacity. <laughs> that's a good one. Summers up, sums up so much. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it really does. I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff that you wrap around it, mm-hmm. but um, at the end of the day, uh, tenacity and just a focus on getting shit done. <laughs> well, and I think every uh, every successful entrepreneur has to have that. It's uh, yeah, I agree with you completely. And the third question is: If you were to offer some advice, what's the one piece of advice you'd share with uh, another entrepreneur or business leader or organizational leader who's saying, "I want to have more impact. I want to positively influence things." What would you say to them? The thing that I tend to see the most is if people err on a side, it's a little on idealism. Mm -hmm. And having real impact means, in my perspective, and the ecosystems I live and work in, you know, there are other viewpoints. But for me, it's you have to realistically assess what it's going to take to have the impact. And that always isn't always the idealistic answer. There's an element of getting to a directionally correct objective that also involves the reality of the, what the markets or the ecosystem or how it works culturally or, you know, whatever frame you're applying. Yeah. I've, I was been very struck by that in our interview and in our conversation today, because, uh, there's so much idealism that's attached to mission-focused companies, impact-focused companies. And uh, when you can step back and look at things realistically, it's actually quite grounding. It doesn't obliterate yeah. the, the mission focus, doesn't, doesn't decrease the amount of impact you can have, but it possibly gets you there faster because you're not having to overcome the, oh my gosh, that didn't quite work out the way I had in mind. Yeah, and and on the investment side, I I think one of my favorite questions and answers from, uh, I was on a panel at a wellness event on conscious investing and somebody asked, you know, I was making the point around investing with your value system. And somebody asked, you know, what makes a good investment with your values? And I said, Make sure it's a good investment first. (laughs) (laughs) Great point. (laughs) Right. Right. It's because, you know, the purpose of investment is to make a return. So let's just make sure that that piece of it comes first. Right. Well, exactly. It's the same thing with starting a business. Make sure that you can make a profit. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that... uh, in the venture ecosystem you're operating in, you've been more than an oar in the water. I think you're being quite a pioneer in that realm. So I really appreciate appreciate what you're doing. So thanks for for being here. Yeah, and thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Great. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, Yeah, the firm's website is influencepartners.com. That's just starts with an N, not an I-N. Uh, or I'm Gary at influencepartners.com. Great. Well, thank you for the work you're doing in the world, Gary.
Yes. Thank you. And thank you for putting on uh, a podcast that focuses on this area and, and gets people's stories out there. Uh, stories drive the world. So uh, I love that you're doing this. Oh, thanks so much. It's absolutely been my pleasure. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.